I don't know that it happened near Christmas, but there was a family that agreed that they would get a hamster as a pet, and the agreement was contingent, as all parents know, that the kids would become the sole caretakers, right, of said hamster. They named him Danny. Uh, Within two months, a mom said the little rat would have died had she not assumed full responsibility for his care. So she decided, I mean, two months in, she's decided it's time for Danny to get a new owner, called the kids in to break the news to him, and one child said, going to miss him. He's been here a long time. Mom said, yeah, but he's too much work for me, and so he needs to go. One of the other kids said, you know, he might have been able to stay if he hadn't ate so much and been so messy. But mom was firm. She held the line. She said, Let's go. It's time to take Danny to his new home. And all the kids' heads jerked up. They said, Danny, we thought you said daddy. Uh, (laughs) I don't know. There seems to be a lot of jokes about dads this time of year. And I don't know if it's because we need someone to grouse about the bills and the cost of things or what, but you do know. I mean, this is old stuff. You do know the three stages uh, of a man's Christmas life, right? Uh, one is he believes he's Santa, or he believes in Santa Claus, he looks like Santa Claus, and then he is, you know, Santa Claus. That's just reality for, for those of us who are, are men in the room. <laughs> hey, if this is your first Sunday with us, thanks for being here. Uh, my name is Mike Tuttle. I'm the senior pastor here, and we are in a series called Unto Us. And we've been looking at a verse from the Old Testament that talks about who Jesus was meant or is going to be 700 years before he was ever born. Uh, the prophet Isaiah talks about who Jesus was going to be, and, and for us today, we're talking about what it means in our own lives. And if you're watching this online, hey, thanks for taking the time to be with us, and, uh, and I hope that how we celebrate Christmas and what we talk about here helps your celebration uh, in just a few days as well. So we've been talking about Jesus from Isaiah. Let's read this together, Isaiah uh, chapter 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, the last couple of weeks we talked about Wonderful Counselor, and then we talked about Mighty God. Today what we're going to talk about is what it means to us today to say that Jesus is our Everlasting Father. And The bottom line of this is the idea of care. So uh, on your notes, I want to make sure you get this everlasting points to a promise of a kingdom that will never end. Everlasting means it's never going to end. And the word father refers to this enduring, compassionate, fatherly care that the Messiah will provide uh, for his people. So this idea of everlasting father really means an enduring, compassionate provider and protector. Now, if you had a great dad, you may have caught all that. But if you didn't, what I'm saying might be a little confusing to you. Your your dad may not have been a compassionate provider and protector, and if that was the case for you, today could be a hurdle for you to get over. I don't know if you know this or not, but how you have related to your earthly father can shape your view of how you see your heavenly Father, And that can be good or it can be bad. Uh, It can serve to be helpful in our understanding of God or it might be harmful depending on the home 
that you came from. You see, the problem is that, and this is on your notes, and, and, and dads, I need you to see this. A child is not likely to find a father in God unless they see something of God in their father. And there are people, and maybe it's you, but when you hear the word father, it means something different to you. So we're going to talk about God is Father, and for some of us, we're real comfortable with that. And for some of us, when we hear that word, there's this cringe factor because of what we've experienced. There's this thing that counselors talk about called cognitive dissonance. Cognitive dissonance is this uh, uncomfortable feeling that comes from holding these two conflicting ideas simultaneously. And none of us are comfortable with cognitive dissonance uh, none of us are. And so we tend to do everything we can to delete it from our lives. Even subconsciously, we will make decisions to get rid of it in our lives. And maybe you grew up in a home with a dad that was not great. And every week you were drugged to church where everyone stood up and said the Lord's Prayer. Right? I don't know if you grew up in a church like that. Our Father which art in heaven. And you were thinking to yourself as a kid, if our Father in heaven is anything like my Father on earth who abandoned my family and me, I'm not interested. And so subconsciously, and you may not even have known what you were doing, but you dismissed God or the church or faith, right? Or all of it because of a bad association between God and your dad. Listen, you may be mad at God for something that God's angry about as well. So, for instance, two examples. wouldn't surprise me to find out uh, that we have people who grew up with a dad who was never... I wonder how you're filling in that blank, but some of us know instinctively the word that goes in there is satisfied, because nothing you ever did was good enough for him. He never looked you in the eyes and said, man, great job on that. And sometimes this is this part of a misguided thought that some of us have, that if you keep the bar high enough and keep pushing, that your child will keep trying, and it will be good for the child. And, and listen, if you have high standards and you ask your children to reach for those standards, that is a good thing. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I am saying it's bad when we manipulate their emotions by withholding love so that they try harder to accomplish. It will lead to achievement, quite likely, but it'll also lead to disappointment, frustration, and exasperation in our kids. And we're told, fathers, in Scripture, Paul writes in Ephesians 6, do not exasperate your children. Instead, lead them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So some of us grew up with dads who were never satisfied. Some of us grew up with a dad who didn't verbalize his love and pride for us. Some of us in the room, and this, this may be hard for others of us in the room to believe, but there's some of us in this room who have never had a dad who said the words to us, I love you. We have never heard from our father, I'm proud of you. And, and it's likely, just so you know, if that was you, it's likely his dad never did it for him. So it's not that he doesn't want to say those words, just to, he just doesn't know how. They never heard it, it uh, themselves, and so there isn't even this urgency to develop the skill because they never heard it. And the silence around your house, man, it can be deafening. I heard about a pastor's wife who was very open about the struggles that she had with her dad about this. He was a good man. Uh, he just made this mistake. He just was never any good at expressing his love and affirmation of his daughter in words. He thought that she should just know that he loved her, right? He should, she should just know that he was proud. And there, there are a lot of guys who believe that. 
to which let me interject for just a moment, men. So I'm going to speak specifically to our men for just a moment. If that's what you think, may I humbly say you're wrong. Our children, our family members, if you believe you don't have to say those words to your wife or your children, you are wrong. And since her dad never said the words, she responded by trying to earn his love. She worked hard. She tried to be perfect uh, because she thought if she tried hard enough, she could get it right enough and she could be perfect enough. One day, her dad would say those words to her, look in her eyes and tell her, honey, I love you. I'm so proud of you. And if you knew her, you probably would have hugged her and said, honey, there is nothing you can do to make your dad verbalize his love and pride of you, uh, no matter how hard you try, because the problem's in him, it's not in you, and you can't fix him. But when you're up to your eyeballs in that, you, you can't hear that sort of thing. So she worked and worked to earn her dad's love and to make him proud, and it all came to a head when she was graduating college. No one in her family had ever graduated college before. She was going to graduate with a 4.0, and she knew, she knew, first one in the family, 4.0, he was going to be proud. The day of her ceremony, listen, came and the place was packed with family and friends, and this was her dream. Her dream was not to walk across the platform and have the president hand her her diploma. That was not her dream. Her dream was at the end of the ceremony, she would go looking for her family in the huge crowd. She would see her family coming at her from across the room, her dad would be leading the way, and they would come face to face, and her dad would finally just be right in front of her, and finally she would hear those words that she had been longing to hear all of her life, and her dad would look her in the eyes and say, baby, I am so proud of you. I love you. Great job. That was her dream. That was, that was her dream. And then he would hug her. She worked her tail off for that dream. The day came, the place was packed. Her family and her friends were all there. The ceremony ended. She walked across. She got her degree with honors. Ceremony's over. It's the moment she dreamed about for years and years and years. She pictured the whole thing in her mind. She was making her way through the hustle and bustle of the crowd looking for her family. And then she saw them. And they saw her. And they started heading her way. Her dad was leading the pack just like she had played it all out in her mind, the way she dreamed it would be. And as they got closer and closer to each other, and now she is face to face with her dad. And her dad looked her in the eyes and said, it's getting late. We got a long drive home. We better go. And she's crushed. And I wonder how many of us or our friends experience this. And listen, it's not that your dad's a bad guy. It's not that he's evil. I hope you can hear that. It's just he doesn't get it. And it's sad for you because you can't say to him the words, you can't make him say the words to you that you have longed to hear from him for so long. And there will be people who drive hundreds of miles this week to be with their parents hoping to hear those words from their father. And he won't say them because he doesn't know how because nobody ever said them to him. And maybe you didn't perform. Maybe you rebelled because, you know, bad attention is better than no attention at all. Now you have this relationship with your dad, but you also have all of this guilt and shame and the consequences of your behavior. 
that you have to drag along with you throughout life right now. And listen, it can make this time of year exceptionally difficult for you. And it seems like there are those perhaps who are here today or maybe you're listening to this online as we talk about this and you've experienced this silence or even worse. And then you read this passage and it says that Jesus is our everlasting father. But you see a father, when you think of father, you think of someone who ignores you or is uninterested in you or worse, abused you. And it makes sense that you struggle all of your life with this idea, this vague, unidentifiable tendency to avoid any place where they're even talking about someone being a heavenly father. And I just want to say you're being robbed because Jesus is not like the dad who hurt you. He is like the dad you always hoped that you would have. Isaiah is talking about a fatherly traits that Jesus will exhibit when he came to earth to reveal the, the good father, God the father, to us. And any dad in the room today by the way, can learn something from this. Ronnie Floyd said this, it's on your notes. Being a dad has no dress rehearsal, therefore you've got to be willing to do it well the first time or you will be paying the wages of your wrong choices for many, many years to come. And for every dad that you know who didn't seem to care about their kid. If you look around this room, you are going to see men who knew from the moment they first locked eyes with their child when they were born that this was someone special in their life. And they've told them, I love you every day of their lives. And I'm so glad that we have dads in the room like that who love their kids and tell them how proud they are. And every believer can be glad we have this kind of everlasting father in Jesus. Let's take a moment. We're going to look at how he is the ultimate provider as our everlasting father and how that needs to be lived out in our dad's day as well. So, here we go. Our everlasting father, uh, as everlasting father, Jesus provides us with love. I want to make sure you hear that. He loves you. If you ever wonder how much he loves you, look at Psalm 103. I love the way it says this. How great is God's love for all who worship him? Fair question. Greater than the distance between heaven and earth. If you want to know how much God loves you, it's not this. I mean, it's way bigger than this. In Jeremiah 31, uh, we're told, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Augustine said this, it's on your notes. God loves each one of us as if there's only one of us to love. John, when he would write one of the letters at the end of the New Testament, says, whoever does not uh, love does not know God because what? God is love. Man, he just loves you on your notes. A house without love may be a castle or a palace, but it's not a home. Because love is the life of a true home. When Mother Teresa uh, received her Nobel Peace Prize, she was asked, what can we do to promote world peace? Do you see what she said? Go home and love your family. Moms and dads. And I'm going to lean toward dads this morning. We need to both show and speak love to our children. And in a few days, you might be lucky enough to have them in your house. They have come to you. And they all want to hear the same thing. All of our kids, they want to hear the same thing from us. Uh, so we need to speak and show love. Our everlasting Father, Jesus, also protects me. And think about Jesus as an everlasting Father. It's also about protection. You know, when kids are afraid, where's the first place they run to? You know, when they needed medicine or something, they ran to Sandy's. 
when they want to protect it. I can remember when, we, when the kids were little, we'd go see a movie, and if something happened on the screen that either frightened them or concerned them, do you know what they did? They crawled up on my lap. Because when my kids were in my arms, not only did they know that they were loved, but they knew that dad was going to protect them and make them feel secure no matter what was happening around them. They know their father will protect them. Jesus does the same thing. He wants to protect you from harm uh, just as any father would. Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica, but the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. I think it's interesting. Jesus said, uh, my sheep know my voice and I know them. They follow me and I give them eternal life so they will never be lost. No one can snatch them out of my hand. If you want to know how protected you are with Jesus, no one can take you from him. He never lets his guard down. He'll never let us slip away from him. There's a story that I love uh, that a preacher years ago told about himself. His name was Estel Taylor, and he told about how when he was young for Christmas one year, what he wanted most of all uh, was a pair of skates. And so on Christmas morning when he was unwrapping his gifts, he unwrapped a shirt and he, he unwrapped some socks and the last gift that had his name on it was a pair of gloves. And man, he was disappointed. And his mom looked at his dad and said, stop being so ornery. So his dad handed him a key, which doesn't make sense to a lot of us in the room. Unless you had a pair of skates like this when you were little. How many of us had a pair of skates like this when you were little? You know what that means, right? Yeah, you're old. Uh, yeah. So his dad gave Estel the key, and then he went to the closet and pulled the skates out. And Estel asked if he could put them on. Their house had wood floors back in the day and a wood-burning stove in the kitchen area. His mom said, yeah, just be careful of the stairs and be careful of the wood-burning stove. And I don't know how you were, because I had skates just like those. Man, they were hard to work. And he's like every other kid who's ever put them on. He wasn't very good at it. He had a hard time turning, very difficult time trying to stop. But he practiced a ton that day. He circled the kitchen table. He went through the living room. He went around the stairs. And then he went back into the kitchen. And the more he skated that day, the more confident he became in his ability. But one time he was rolling across the kitchen area. And it was evident that he did not have control. His arms were flailing. And he saw the wood-burning stove coming right at him. And he could not stop. And he closed his eyes and he screamed as loud as he could. But he never felt the hot stove on his face. What he felt was his father's hand. Because his dad had been watching his son. And he got there as Estel did. Estel said he fell backward, but he heard the sound and he smelled the smell of skin burning. He said, the velocity that I was of me going around in that circle had knocked my father's hand right into that stove and you could smell that burning flesh throughout the room. But he said, instead of my face being scarred for life, my dad's hand was scarred for life. He said his friends all thought that that hand was a hideous hand, but to him it was the hand of love and protection. And years later when his dad passed away, the undertaker had taken his good hand and put it over his bad hand so that nobody would have to see that. Estel asked him to switch the hand's positions. 
because he wanted everyone to see the hand that had saved his life. I tell you that because someday you are going to see the hand that saved you. And it will be the hand of the everlasting Father, and it too will be scarred. Because nails have a way of doing that to hands. So when we think about this idea of love and protection, your next step in your relationship with your everlasting Father. Dads, I'll talk to you for just a moment. Charles Swindoll said this, it's on your notes. Each day we make deposits in the memory banks of our children. And obviously that's not just to dads, that's to mom and dads. But I think especially for us in the room who are fathers today to be mindful of this, but also for all of us who have children around us regularly or will over the next few days. When it comes to loving your children or grandchildren, your next step in your faith is to make sure you show them, your children, your grandchildren, or whoever's children are around you, show them your love. Listen, as a dad, can I say, talk about a plan for Christmas Make sure they know that you've thought about it, that this family time is important to you. Carve out time for sacred services and experiences that will add spiritual traditions to your family. Christmas Eve has always been, Christmas Eve services have always been a part of how our family has, has celebrated Christmas. Make a commitment to keep your attitude positive. And sometimes when you get a lot of people and a lot of noise around you, it can be easy to go sour quick. Plan an expression of generosity that will involve your, whole, involve your whole family in whatever this thing is. Or maybe set a daddy date with your daughter or some sort of special guy time with your son. Or take the family on a drive to see Christmas lights. Come to the road that we live on, Nottingham Place. The whole place is, we like to say we're lit, but I understand that that's not, you know. Maybe you can snuggle up and watch a Christmas movie together. Oh, it's a great way to just spend family time. Show them you love them, but that's not enough. We need to make sure that with our children or grandchildren that we tell them that we love them. We need to say the word. So I'm going to give you some words uh, that you can say, uh, and there, some of these are on here. If I could choose out of all the kids, listen, if you tell your kids or grandkids this, it will fill their hearts up. If I could choose from all the children in the world who was going to be my son or daughter, I'd choose you every time. Being your parent is my favorite job. Nothing will ever make me stop loving you. I am so proud of you. I believe in you. I'm listening to you. The day you were born was one of the best days of my life. Spending time with you is one of the favorite things that I get to do. I think you are awesome. I love being your parent. I appreciate you so much. I love hearing you laugh. You make my heart happy. I love you 3,000. Older people aren't going to get that, but trust me, your kids will. And kids, if I can say this, if you are a child, whether you're a young child or you are a grown-up, 50-something-year-old child. Love your parents and grandparents. Can I tell you that the thing they want most for Christmas this year is you? That's what they want. Unless you have given them grandchildren. And then they want them. <laughs> and
and then they want you. But trust me, if you can't go, call them. Better yet, FaceTime them so that they can see you and your kids. And I want to say this as well. Jesus is my everlasting father only if I've chosen to be part of his family. So you're listening, maybe you're here listening to all of this and, and maybe, maybe this has been kind of a stumbling block for you and you didn't even know why, but there was just something about this whole thing and it's kind of messed you up and you weren't real sure and, 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 and you, your father in heaven has wanted the same thing from you every day of your life since he created you. He just wants your heart. He wants you to love him back. He wants you to want to be his child. And if you have never committed yourself to him through your baptism, let's do that. We can do that. Talk about the best gift you'll give God this year. It's, listen, our Christmas offering is a big deal to us. It's a big deal to Haley. It's going to be a big deal to kids down in Cincinnati whose lives have just been horrendous. And he will reach right through her life into theirs. Christmas Day presents are a huge deal to us. We love that. It's kind of a big deal for God to watch his kids, watch his kids be happy. He loves that. But if you want to know what makes his heart run fast, it's when someone is making a decision to become his child. And someone has this morning. And so we're going to toss it out into the lobby uh, and you are going to watch Emily make her confession of faith to her friend, Christy. Family friends for a long time. And so I'm so pleased that she's asked her to help her make this decision about who Jesus will be in her life as well. So check this out. I believe that Jesus, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the living, the son of the living God. Is the Christ, the son of the living God. And I accept him as my Lord and Savior. And I accept him as my Lord and Savior. Emily, because of your confession and your desire to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, you are being baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of your sins, the gift of the Holy Spirit, and the promise of eternal life. never done that, if you've never made that decision in your life, listen, let's do that. If you're ready for that, if that's your next step, if you've been thinking about it, wondering about it, let's, let's do that. We've got two more people coming over this afternoon at 1.30 to make that decision about who Jesus is going to be in their life. You can do that. And can I say to those of us who have made that decision already, you can be the other person in the baptistry with them. Chrissy, I mentioned, has been a family friend for almost all of Emily's life. She's her mom's friend, but she has helped her see God. And so she asked her to help her be part of that. Can you, did, you, did you catch the emotion in the baptistry there? Listen, that's what it means to help a friend make that decision in their life. You can do that. You can be part of that. In a moment, we're going to sing these words. A child has been given the king of our freedom. Sing for the light has come. This is Christmas.
This is Christmas. And as we sing these words, as a dad, as a parent, as a grandparent, as a child or a grandchild, your next step in your faith journey with Jesus is to intentionally reach one direction or another and tell the people in your life you love them to show the people in your life that you love them. You have time coming in the next three days. It's a setup. It's a setup. It's all coming to you. All you have to do is take that step. Let's go to him in prayer. God, thank you for the chance that we have to be your kids. And for some of us who are here, for some who are watching online, that is one of the most difficult concepts they've had to wrestle with. They love the stories, Jesus, about how you've healed people and how you have brought people back from the dead, how you put religious leaders in their place. We all love those stories. The miracles, walking on water, oh, man, we love that stuff. And how the church, as we read about the church in the book of Acts and moving forward, what's written to the church, because we know that's written to us as well. But this concept of a father has been difficult for some because of what they've known growing up. And it cast a bad shadow on you because of the way someone in their life treated them. And so God, my prayer today for our friends who are here who have never made that decision about you, they would do that. God, it is our prayer as a church that as children and grandchildren and parents and grandparents, that the hallmark characteristic of your kingdom would be on display, especially this week. Not just this week, but especially this week. That we would love people around us well so that they might catch a glimpse of you in us. God, we pray this through your son Jesus.